The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 120. General West, Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secret to Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we're discussing the 12th episode of Season 6, Unnatural Selection. We pick up where we left off last episode. Thor explains that the Asgard attempted to trap the replicators, or as he says, replicators, in a time dilation field to slow them down by thousands of years. But the replicators reversed the field and have now advanced by hundreds of years. He asks SG-1 to land on the conquered planet Hala and reverse the time dilation. SG-1 reluctantly agrees to the plan. They land the X-303 on the planet and discover that the streets are not paved with cheese, but with replicator blocks. They enter the only structure on the planet and find the time dilation device. Before they can reverse it, they are confronted and captured by advanced new replicators who appear to be human. The replicators capture SG-1 and probe their minds. The replicator leader, first, explains to SG-1 that the human-like replicators are made up of microscopic cell-like nanites rather than the larger blocks. Fifth, the newest replicator, appears to sympathize with SG-1, and when he probes Samantha's mind, she convinces him to help them escape and come with them. With Fifth's help, they are able to rearm the time dilation device, and Fifth agrees to stay behind and to keep from raising the alarm to allow SG-1 to escape before joining them but they set the activation for three minutes rather than the five minutes that they told Fifth they would. Fifth first confronts Fifth about his betrayal, but the device activates before he can do anything. SG-1 escapes the planet, but Sam and Jonas feel that they have betrayed Fifth by using his human empathy against him. It was a a very dark ending. (laughs) Yes. What are your thoughts on this episode, Lisa? I really like this episode, which I know it's a little dark for Stargate, but I like it because they took what was kind of a simplistic evil, you know, object, you know, opponent, and they they took it to another level. And I, I don't think we saw it coming originally that they're gonna turn to humans. No. <laughs> and just yeah, no. <laughs> you know, first it starts out with like, oh the Asgard, we need your stupid solutions, you know, your simple minded stuff. And and then they get there and it's like, wait, what? What just happened? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? This is really creepy and evil. And then they stick their hand in their head and you're just <laughs> like, what? And, you know, it, it, it ends with something that I think Stargate does kind of well, which is makes you think about the morality of what they just did. They save the universe, save the world, save the earth, whatever. But at the same time, you know, should you do that? Should you not do that? And mm-hmm. so it, it, I like it because it makes you think. It wraps it up in a nice little bow, of course. But but it makes you think, and it's, I don't know, it was not expected. And even watching it now, I was like, ooh, yeah, no, that was, that was kind of messed up. Yeah. 
It was I'm surprised that they went that direction with it, but I'm glad that they didn't just give you the like pat happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they were somebody little you know, a robot's toys and they're all fine now and no. Mm-mm. Yep. <laughs> what about you, Victor? Yeah, I really like this episode too. Um based on, you know, what it does to evolve the replicators. There's lots of really good imagery in, in it, you know, when they get when they get down to the planet and they're like, hey, what like this planet looks weird. What's what's up with that? And they like brush away the dust and it's entirely paved and we don't know how many miles thick with replicator blocks. And you're like, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the human replicators are very good. We got a lot of really good guest stars in this one. You know, uh, Temo uh, Peniket, even though he doesn't have a lot of words to say, he's recognizable from like every sci-fi <laughs> show yeah. in the background there. And then Ian Buchanan, of course, is as first, who uh, I saw most recently in the original Twin Peaks. Uh, he plays uh, Dick Tremaine, the uh, fashion right, savvy right. yeah. uh, men's accessories uh, salesman from the department store. So it was, it, it, you know, it's funny seeing him in that role, which is broadly comedic. And then in this one where he's effectively creepy, but. Um, you know, there's some of the time dilation. I don't know if, if the times, you know, match up really well, but I, I do like the ending. I, I do like when Stargate goes a little dark. It's kind of a, you know, this this was written, um, I think, story by Robert C. Cooper and, and Brad Wright and then written by Brad Wright. And Brad Wright, of course, did Outer Limits before Stargate. So this has a very kind of Outer Limity, like, you know, we, we succeeded, but at what cost feel to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and just the that final shot of Fifth just staring trapped in time, like that <laughs> was very effectively creepy. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 what usually when I look at the background for the show, I'll like click through on the guest guest stars, and I see that he comes back. So I'm yeah. looking forward yep. to see <laughs> if he if he becomes a villain because of what SG one did to him or he's not super, he's not super happy about it. Can't imagine. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) But if he's so empathetic, he should understand why they did it. Yeah. I think he might be a little mad. Yeah. 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 Can't can't blame him. (laughs) But no, I do like how they explain that, you know, his, his empathy was the result of a defect. They were kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. mixing with the, the secret formula and, uh, stumbled upon basically something that would make them effectively human and then kind of erase that for, you know, six, seven, seven, and eight, or however many of them, of them there are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, that's what um, Reese, who who they, they almost referred to like like a god. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, Reese was their creator, not uh, the the human that created Reese. And, um, but it's funny because when you remember with Reese, they kept saying, they said they made me bad or there's something wrong with me or, you know, they kept talking like that and now they're doing it with a fifth mm-hmm. that they tried to add that human element. And, um, and then you've got the difference in Jonas's take and Carter and then Jack's just kind of, you know, Jack, yeah. but I really, you know, you think about how would Daniel Jackson have fit into this? And, um, I kind of, kind of liked that he wasn't there because it gave Jonas and Carter the opportunity to play, kind of that role, but differently, you know, with each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like Jonas pretty much took up the Daniel Jackson mantle, even from the beginning. He was, cause he was talking about the replicators, like, well, they're not really evil. They're just doing what they're designed to do. And right. So, yeah. which was a very Daniel kind of thing to say, mm-hmm. I feel like. 
But then Carter sat there and saw, I mean, the humanity in him and what, I mean, you see it in all over her face. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, we, she knows you have to, but we shouldn't be doing this to him. And, you know, she makes that one of my kids when we were watching it goes, is this another Carter boyfriend? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's more of a Carter project. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it, he, he's kind of like a lot of her boyfriend admirer types, yeah. you know, where he's like, Oh, Carter, you know, and, and she's like, Oh, you're interesting. You're different. You might, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. let me study you. And of course then it, it's going to come back to bite her in the butt, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I do like uh so after after they get there and they get probed the first time, they get invited to dinner by the <laughs> I keep wanting to say Cylons. I know they're not Cylons, but they're replicators. <laughs> yeah. Um and they they talk about how they're gonna basically just probe their minds until they get all the information they need out of them. And then Carter just stands up and is like, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you if you would wanna wanna probe my mind. Yeah. And I feel like for to for fifth, because he was gonna do it. Yeah. And, I'm surprised that first didn't kind of pick up on that as like a, mm-hmm. she's obviously up to something because she was very eager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't get that about humans yet. But the reason why Carter says that is because fifth has previously, after they had their first probing, uh, after they're probed uh, by the aliens and passed out from all the in, uh, invasive probing, the fifth actually carried them back to the Prometheus Um you know, to help them rest and recover and stuff. And so that's kind of, they pick up that, you know, he's more empathetic than the others and, you know, might, Mm -hmm. might not be on board with all this probing business. Yeah. She sees a opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good, which is what you want to do. I mean, the, the, you know, the first duty of every prisoner is to escape. Right. And so you have to leverage every asset that you can. So, I mean, this is another one where, you know, Everybody hates Jack at the end, but at, at the same time, he's not wrong. Right. He's not a lion, but, you know, but he's right. Yeah. And I guess that's really the, the moral question here. Are they, yeah. are they still just robots, even though they appear to be human? Like they, they pass the Turing test, but well, I guess if you tell someone you're a robot, you're not, you're kind of failing the Turing test there, but they appear <laughs> to be human and appear to be sentient, but at the end of the day, they're still just very, very intelligent computers. So, yeah, and they were being held prisoner against their will, right? Right. So, and yeah. I, and I do like, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they come into the the weird temple thing where the time dilation field is, and it, it, it's very weird looking, and it's not really practical. But I guess if you're replicators, you don't really have practical architecture. Yeah. And uh, you know, the human form replicators come in and go like. Hello, we're the replicators. And instantly SG-1 just completely unloads all of their weapons into them. Doesn't do anything. We don't even get like any like, you know, T-1000 like, you know, blips that heal themselves or anything. Right. It's just the bullets just pass through them. But um, I thought that was good. It was like without even saying anything, you know, yeah. everybody just instinctively just, you know, mag dumps on them and <laughs> and stuff. But there, there's and even leading up to that. I mean, we haven't talked about much about the intro to this episode, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of like really funny things oh, uh, yeah. that happen here. Um, you know, because they're, they're stranded, you know, millions of light years from home, no way back. And then as they're talking to Thor, suddenly Earth pops up. You know, you've been <laughs> towing them back to Earth the entire <laughs> the entire time. They drop off the, you know, the the people that the had passengers. taken over the ship and the reporter. And you know, we get probably this is the the what. <laughs> 
one of the funniest bits I I get is like, so we're going to need weapons and, and food for the journey. And so Thor beams up all the food and all the weapons and Hammond even <laughs> says like, can you tell me why, you know, everything's disappearing from my base and we get, you know, another Jack hologram scene, but Thor beams up all the food, but <laughs> didn't take into account the need for refrigeration. <laughs> so we get this great scene of Jonas and Teal just sitting there eating all the ice cream before it melts. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> yeah, it's like that is like one of the funniest bits I think on the show. And then we get some good physical comedy with Jack and Teal'c and mm-hmm. and uh, you know ice cream. But yeah, uh, I like that. And and you get a few like um, where Jack with the hologram is like, you yeah. better punch one on the old, you know, <laughs> yeah, your, your <laughs> speed, speed dial. dial. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, what? My grandchildren? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, two then. <laughs> Yeah, so I, like, I like that he's got his grandkids higher on his speed dial list than the president. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's another line that I just remember. That's like a classic Stargate yeah. line that I just remember. And then, <laughs> and then of course, uh, you know, na- what are they going to name the the ship? You know, the X three hundred two, and they they turn down Jack's uh, suggestion, of course. When he comes back and says they didn't go for it. Yeah. Wants to call it the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. I just love Carter's face, like. We we can't call it the Enterprise. Like, she's why just, not? Just like, <laughs> and I almost feel like that was kind of a meta joke. It, yeah. No, it is because yeah. then my eleven year old turns to me and he says, uh, um, "I'm ten year old, almost 11. He turns to me and says, "Like, why why couldn't they call it the Enterprise?" <laughs> like, He's like, "It's a really good name for a starship." Yeah, it is. I mean, I'll, we named the first the every kind of ship the you know the space shuttle, the aircraft carriers. We named them all Enterprise. But no, it's uh yeah, it's it's a really good meta joke there. So yeah. I, I did. That's another um, another really. So we start we start off with a lot of the comedy kind of uh, front loaded mm-hmm. here, but it's uh, I think it's it's pretty effective. Yeah, definitely. I honestly wish that a lot of what had been in this episode had been stretched out in the previous episode because mm. the the previous one was good. It was good at establishing everything, but there was a lot of. A lot of wasted time, I feel like, and you like you don't even see the reporter or any of the characters from the previous one, and we got uh got the ghouled out of the way and all that, but I would have liked more stuff with Fifth and like his character development, so I feel like just what's in this episode would have mm-hmm. been fine as a two parter I did notice like when when Carter is in which which is interesting Carter was in Fifth's mind. Right. Not him and hers, mm. which I thought was interesting. So when she's in his mind, and I, I had to pause the TV because the dog was like barking or whatever. And I look at the clock to see how much time is left. And the episode's almost over at mm-hmm. that point. And I was like, wait. <laughs> you know, I felt like it's just like right in the middle of the good stuff, you know? So yeah, it, it, it went pretty fast for me. And I, I'm with you, Jack. I could have used a little more. Let's, let's delve into this a little deeper because this is crazy. Yeah, this is definitely one where I've seen this one probably four or five times now just over the years. Um, and it's one where it, it goes by a lot faster than I remember it. I remember, you know, the episode being the ice cream, the Enterprise bit, and then like a lot of like talking and dialogue and like moral quandaries with the human form replicators. And like the, the moral quandaries of the human form replicators are like three and a half minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where Jack gives his hand signal, you know, they're like, Okay, we're gonna set it for five minutes, and Jack's like, "Yeah, five minutes." Yeah. And he's holding up three fingers. <laughs> yeah, I just felt bad for Fifth at that point because they're just—he's getting advantage of taken him, for but, a ride right in yeah. front of him. But 
Poor what thing. He's naive. Yeah. Yeah. He's learning about humanity, not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> and I guess a lot of what this episode was supposed to do was introduce the human replicators so they can be used further on in the story and now they're basically frozen for now. So Yeah. Well, and if you remember, they thought season six was it. Yeah. So, that's true, yeah. So I, I'm guessing this is another one of those like, hey guys, remember that thought we had? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's run with it. And then in two years, we don't get, Fifth doesn't come back until season eight. So we have two oh, years okay. to wait. No, he's yeah. in three episodes in season eight. So we've, yeah. we've a lot of what I think wait. is in season eight, I, or is in season eight, I think happens in season seven. And it, I, we do have some time to wait there. Yeah. 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 He's got a little time hmm. to get angry. Yeah. But yeah. Go work so, out, get buff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the time dilation field thing is a, is a little weird. I do like that Carter had to develop their own like interface to it, which has like our favorite little uh, LED, you know, LCD, you know, timer on it. So we the get the whole clock. Yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah. we get our ticking clock here that we can actually read, and it's not mm-hmm. like counting down and ghouled like the self destruct mechanisms <laughs> on the ships or something. Yeah, and if you go to uh, the wiki or the wiki article for this episode there's like a whole section about the time dilation <laughs> yeah. and it has like all these mm-hmm. mathematical equations for how basically everything they say is wrong and it addresses the one issue that i had that i was fine with just kind of hand waving all the time dilation stuff it's for the sake of the plot yeah. but they don't ever talk about we're on the planet and the time do they establish that the device has been turned off because i thought the time was still accelerated even when they were on the planet yeah, it it was. So they've if they were on the planet for a day, they it would be the equivalent of being gone for like a few months, I think. Or, okay, or something and they at don't, that point. Yeah. But then they've been gone for at least it was about two days all said and done, it seemed like. Because they were out for thirty seven hours mm-hmm. when they were probed initially. Within one That's hour, true. four days have passed inside the field. So if they were there for, you know, twenty four hours, that would be the equivalent of like a hundred days. So it's another one where like they lose time where they lose time and stuff, you know, like when they were in the time loop and earth was cut off from the gate and stuff, you know, they, there was, there was like four or three or four months or something. Right. And that everybody lost. But then if you think about it, they, when they were leaving, time had slowed down and they were caught in that for just a hot second. So maybe it all evened out in the end. Yeah. We'll go with that. Because I don't think they bring me. it up next episode. They could, but I don't remember. Yeah. Plus, you know, hyperspace travel isn't instantaneous, so there's some time tied up there. They they kind of gloss over that too, like like how many month long trips and the uh, cargo ships and stuff have they had to take. And that's true. There's actually um a, the in the book Hyperion, they actually cover that concept of there's this character who is like a deep space trucker basically. And every time he leaves like his wife to go out into space and do his job, like he gets affected by the time dilation. So whenever he comes back, she's like even older. So he's still like in his mid twenties and she's 70. So it's kind of a depressing, (laughs) uh, yeah. Yeah. Depressing concept. If you actually take it to its scientific extent, but you know, hyperspace. Yeah. Yeah. Space trucking. Come on. There we go. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's uh, I really liked. Uh, I think it's Ian Buchanan as first. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I saw he's only in one episode, and I'm kind of disappointed mm-hmm. by that. He was a very good. He was. He almost felt like a Bond villain, mm-hmm. which it was probably the accent and just his his old demeanor was very Bond villainy, but not over the top. And so I I was hoping we'd see more of him, but I guess not. I vaguely remember him from soap operas back yeah. in the day. So he was on Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, and then he did a short stint on Days of Our Lives. So I vague. I didn't I didn't watch most of those, but um. He, so I can't remember what his character was, if he was a good guy or a bad guy, but he, I, I agree with you. He did such a great job as a villain. It's like you wanted, you wanted to see more of him. Yeah. You wanted him to make it. Fifth always, um, kind of irked me. I don't know. Maybe it was little puppy dog eyes, you know, at yeah. Carter and stuff. But, um, one of my kids goes, it's like he's Anakin. I was going to, yeah. Anakin or, Killian Murphy from the first Dark Knight movie. Mm, I didn't see that. Just got that vibe yeah. from him. Yeah, they were just like, eh. I'm like, eh. But again, I think he's trying to portray that he's like naive, vulnerable kid, basically. And yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of that, so when first goes into uh, Jack's mind at the beginning, he pulls out his access codes and basically tells him he's rifling through his brain and then to basically coerce Jack into giving him more information. He pulls up his memories of his son dying. And I was like, yeah, that's from cold Lazarus or I think it was, or it was cold Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah. And he says it was your fault. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, that's that's rough. If if you don't cooperate, we're going to do this. We're going to relive this moment. Every time you don't Mm -hmm. cooperate. Like, Dang. And that's something else that they they could have done more with. Like they they set it up like we're going to be going through your mind constantly, breaking you down, harvesting all this information, and then we only get one round of it. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of grateful for because it feels like that's been done yeah. a lot. I guess like, it's true. You know, Daniel Jackson's parents <laughs> yeah, crushed yeah, Team Jake. Team Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was checking the show like, but yeah, we did see the game master or the gamekeeper or whatever mm-hmm. do it, do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on this I, very show. So. I thought they were very effective of portraying how hard it was for them, like for Jack and, and what they went through. By the way, that you yeah. know, they seeing him in those few minutes and then seeing how much uncomfortable or painful it was for them when they woke up. Did you know Jonas was on the floor? I did, yeah. Like they're yeah. all in their nice little chairs. And like, yeah. <laughs> where's Jonas? Yeah, maybe he didn't have a chance to sit down or something. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they do put like they do phase. It's I don't know if it's like the you know the flash can like vibrate his like hand really fast, like mm-hmm. go through solid matter. But I think them they just maybe push the nanites like right into your brain or something. Yeah, I, so I think they did a good job of portraying yeah. it without us having to see it over and over. See more flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Yeah. I also, I don't think they mentioned probing a uh, Teal'c symbiote's mind. Like, mm-hmm. Junior's in there. Do they not want his information? That just would have looked weird on TV. <laughs> like, some Fair guy sticking his, <laughs> sticking his hand in his <laughs> <Yeah>. stomach. <laughs> yeah. Gotta keep it PG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> would have, like, one, one, like, or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And I also noticed Teal has he has got he's got some lines at the beginning, but then mm-hmm. probably like fifteen percent of the way through the episode, he's there. Yeah, and he, he like he's noticeably present, but he's not saying anything, and he just comes across as brooding. And I don't know if that was intentional because of everything they're going through, but I was almost expecting him at some point to like snap. <laughs> yeah, we don't really see what memory they made him relive, but maybe Mm-mm. it was like really bad or something. Yeah, but he turned into just the strong, silent type again. Yeah, yeah, kind kind of like he was a few seasons ago, where he just didn't say much. You know, was there to shoot people, and that was about it. Maybe all that ice cream was disagreeing with him, and he was focused on that. <laughs> That was the best scene, though, that right? When Jack <laughs> takes the spoon, like he's gonna stick it in his, and he turns away and <laughs> hands him his own. I love that. And then they switch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I that is. A, I would want to know, and I couldn't find it online. I want to know: was that scripted, or was that them messing around? It probably equal equal parts. It's it's you know they're eating ice cream, and then I don't know how much like free reign they, they would give them but a lot more on stargate than on yeah you know star trek and stuff but because that that just i don't know it just seems so natural the way they did that mm-hmm. that i loved it yeah and i love again jonas is eating he, they open that door yeah, <laughs> you yeah. See this jonas with the spoon in his mouth <laughs> yeah he's just constantly eating <laughs> they also ask him uh you know first time going up against the replicators are you excited about that yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he's got like a little log book where he can just check off all the items. Yeah. Oh, I bet all he the does. enemies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at the, at the end here, uh, after uh, they freeze the replicators and they're headed back to Earth, both Sam and Jonas are deservedly feeling pretty bad about how they treated Fifth and how they used mm-hmm. him, and Jack is just. The same old Jack, very pragmatic about it. Like, yeah. we we had to do it, and I I kind of can see both sides of it. Like, I understand where Sam and Jonas are coming from because they did just manipulate this poor young replicator into helping them out. But at the same time, if they don't do that, the whole mm-hmm. universe is going to get taken over by replicators. So, I guess the needs of the many. Yep. Outweigh and the uh, you know, he, yep, yeah. They're a machine, so yes, that's that's the debate. <laughs> yeah, are they a are machine they toasters? Or, yeah. Well, we can go. We could go back to I forgot what episode it was called with Reese, their yeah. creator, and it was the same the same argument, right? It was, but I like the way they do it here better because Reese was pretty annoying. Yeah, and <laughs> and I think we we talked a lot about whether or not she was truly innocent, truly knew what she was doing or was manipulating them the whole time or what. And so you contrast that with fifth and the one, two, three, four, and six. And, you know, fifth is very much the innocent and the others are not. Yeah. So there was very clear cut lines. That's funny. You mentioned toasters Yeah. that you've got helio. Is it helio? Helo. 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 Yeah. You know, and then I didn't even think about that with the Cylons became human and then you've got you know someone from from Battlestar in this so it's kind of funny yeah 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 there was a lot of Battlestar Galactica parallels uh, even at the beginning when the reason Thor gives for 
picking them on the X-303 is that the ship is very low-tech, mm-hmm. which is the whole reason that Galactica survives is it's not networked. So. That's right. That's right. And this this is still before oh, much. BSG, yeah. right? This was the oh, original. Maybe not even more at this, this point. This is like a... This was January 2003 when it when it came out. Oh, the same year then that okay. the miniseries came out. Okay. That's I couldn't remember when that came out. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that, the low tech aspect of the Battlestar Galactica versus Yeah. The Prometheus or the X three oh three. Yeah, and it's um you know, hope our the re- you know Jack or someone says like let's hope the stamp says let's hope the replicators think our ship's a piece of junk, you know. Brand new mm-hmm. ships, a piece of junk, um, as they're as they're going down there, and they are scanned by a replicator ship that we barely see for, you know, half a second. It looks pretty impressive. I don't know why the replicator ship needs. I think it, yeah, I see it behind me here. I don't know why it needs windows, but um, <laughs> or anything for that matter. You should just kind be of, a sphere. Y- yeah, or a big cube. Or I guess that would have gotten that's copyrighted. Oh, for some reason, they can't use Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so the, the the replicator ship just looks like you know Starliner, you know, you know stock Starliner model or something. But <laughs> so that part was a little disappointing that they didn't like have some weird looking replicator ship. But it scans them and then moves it moves on and lets them land and stuff. So yeah, which that's that's an issue that yeah. you always get with these kind of these kind of aliens in a science fiction show where it's like, Oh, they, they won't notice us because we're not advanced enough. And like, they do that with the Borg a lot in star Trek. And that's always a, a big plot hole. I feel like, cause really the standard operating procedure for anything like this would be anything we see that is not our technology. We just blow it up. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> eat it or blow it up. And, and I guess maybe we, you could say that like, they're like, Oh no, let them land because we want to, we want to probe them. Um, you know, so that could have been before we know that there are human form mm-hmm. replicators down there, you know, the rationale could have been on their part, you know, like, well, we'll let the humans land and, and then we can like explore their minds and stuff. But you notice they didn't come out to greet them. We'll say until Carter started touching the, uh, time dilation device and oh, then, yeah. and then you yeah. had fifth come first and, and then he says, what like the rest are coming or the others or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then, and their first thing is like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. So I don't know. It it makes you wonder did they really, they didn't really seem aware of the humans until she started messing with it. Judging how first was, he probably just wanted to make a dramatic entrance. Yeah. (laughs) Give it, give his hand to shake, uh, Jacks. <laughs> you like that Jack when they go to dinner, he's like something like, forgive me if we don't, I don't want to shake your hand or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if, so if you hit the human replicators with like a EMP, will they just dissolve into a pile of kinetic sand? I'd like to see that. Try and remember if we <laughs> see that or not. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since I've seen season eight. There's a, there's, there's some technology weapon stuff going yeah. on in season eight against the replicators. Nice. Well, I look forward to that. And then, yeah, we, we, you know, we do see human form replicators in other Stargate shows too. So, yeah, nice. And what did you think about the the talking about they have a hive mind that they were all connected and talking to each other, just like the bugs and just like they were with Reese. 
I thought that was interesting. It almost yeah. seemed like it was like a kind of like a federated network where they were all connected, but they were still distinct individuals. Mm-hmm. And and from what I could gather, they they weren't they didn't always know exactly what was happening with each other because otherwise yeah. they would have realized what was going on with Fifth a little sooner. Yeah, because he said the moment I leave, they'll notice. But he's sitting there having a conversation and changing the machine and doing what he's doing, and they didn't come running. So, yeah, it would have been cool. I mean, since they're basically individual cells and blocks, it would have been cool if they're all like the stuff inside of a lava lamp and just kind of like bubbling around and like like there weren't really like distinct individuals and they were just like blobs that would like. I don't know. I guess the whole point of them was to become individuals, to learn what it's like to be an individual. But, you know, if you're still going to have a high mind, what's the point? But So like the Great Link kind of. Yeah, the Great Link. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Again, they got to stay away from Star Trek, apparently. (laughs) No replicator has harmed another fifth. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on this episode? I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it's good. <laughs> it was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We get lots of good, uh, you know, Thor, Jack, uh, Asgard subtly, oh, yeah. you know, not necessarily manipulating the humans, but not telling them the the whole story, you know, which is, which is good and, um, you know, in character for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like when, uh, when Thor is at, he's, asking in air quotes them to do this yeah. he's like but i've already beaten up all the weapons and all the food and we're taking you there and you can call and get permission on the way yeah yeah and and he's like i haven't decided or i haven't and he goes but you are reconsidering it's like oh my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. we call that voluntold right yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah i did like the way they handled that and kind of got it they got them there and on the way quickly so that the rest of the you know from one transition from one episode to the other. That was nice. Yeah. What about you, Victor? No, I, I like this episode. Um, it's, I'd say uh, definitely a standout for season six and um, for the series and in, in general, and it sets up some, they, they do pay it off in, in a couple of years as, as we were discussing. So um, no, I like it. The, you know, very good episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad to hear that uh fifth comes back. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, we have some uh, feedback. So Hammond on Allegiance says, sometimes I get tired of these episodes where SG-1 goes out to the Jaffa camp, that rock query again, and they trade platitudes. But this is a pretty good one. <laughs> eh, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, you, over you, you got your sand dunes. Yeah, and you got your your Jaffa and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jaffa are going to Jaffa, I guess. <laughs> And the Tokra are going to Tokra. Yep. That's right. Awesome. Before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secret to Stargate, including Meg P., Devin T., Robert O., Jackford K., and Denise L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secret to Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can find the video versions at youtube.com slash StarQuest Media. 
And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. I guess we're still calling it Twitter and not X, so <laughs> it's not going to – don't try to make X a thing. Right. We'd, have, we'd have to change all the stationery and stuff. And <laughs> It's not worth it, yeah. Yeah. You can also check out our awesome Discord channel at sqpn.com slash Discord. And we'll be back next time and we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Sight Unseen. Oh, boy. I'm <laughs> – I don't know if that's a, is that a good old boy or a bad old boy? <laughs> oh, just wait. We'll see if I like it as much as I did last time. Ooh, nice. Well, I'm looking forward to that then. <laughs> Until then, uh, Lisa Jones, thank you for joining me and sharing the secret to Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And we can only hope that this will be the last footwear to fall. Very good. (laughs) Once again, I'm Jack Berzini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who.